Welcome to A Life More Wild. I'm Christopher Wilson-Elms from Canopy and Stars, and this is our podcast taking you into the great outdoors, helping you connect with nature. Coming up, we'll be talking to a couple who left London in search of a different life for their kids. But first, we're out for a stomp with Dr. Alex George. See, look at this. Ducklings. Little family out for a walk. Hello, little guys. Alex works in A&E. He's the first ever youth mental health ambassador. And we've come to Richmond Park to talk about his campaign to improve mental well-being and how this beautiful place was his lockdown refuge. Hi, I'm Dr Alex George. I'm in Richmond Park, which is by the Sheen Gate entrance. And we're going to be going for a little wander in one of my favourite places, an incredible place for nature, a place that I've found so much peace and calm in in the last year, particularly with everything going on. So we are going to be wandering a nice little route to go from the Sheen Gate straight down the middle of the park towards the lakes. We'll do a little loop around the lakes, walk past the Royal Ballet School, which is a very big white building that you might know from the park. Very impressive building, I'd say, to go and have a dance in. And then wander all the way back towards the gate. But it's a lovely place. You've got a mixture of the green space, forestry, lots of deers, I'm sure we'll see, and a few parakeets as well, potentially, too. I'm going to take you over now to a first stopping point. There's a tree in the middle of kind of open space here that has a, a bench under it. And I always laugh because there's been a kite in there for a long time at the front of the tree. We'll see now in a second whether it's still there. And I laugh because someone has come here to this very open space and managed to get it stuck in the only tree for hundreds of metres. Anyway, it's a nice point here. And actually, during the lockdown period, I spent a lot of time kind of coming out here sitting on the bench that's under the tree. Um, and you can see this lovely view looking down into some of the rest of the park and you'll get to see the lakes in a moment as well. And I just think it's just a nice space just to sit and just relax, you know. There you can see the kite, there it is. A big thing I'm trying to do is increase education, understanding amongst young people around the benefits of things like nature and how much like exercising outdoors, walking outdoors, just spending time in green space, how much that can benefit your mental health. Uh, we know that, you know, being around nature promotes a sense of calm, it's great for positivity, it's great for a sense of self-worth, you know, that kind of connection with nature, and reduces things like anxiety as well. You know, if I feel particularly stressed out and worried, you come out here into the space, you breathe, you just feel much more present and a lot of your problems feel much more settled. Um, I've created this trend around stomping. I'm just trying to make it fun for people to get outside and walk, and it's amazing how many people have messaged me and said, I've never ever actually walked in my life. And what they mean is they're like, other than going from A to B, they'd never actually just walk for walking's sake or stomped for stomping's sake. And I think I've tried to encourage people to do that and just do it as a sense of I'm getting out of the house and I'm just moving, I'm moving my body for a while. And it's just so nice actually, I get tagged in stories and people tagging me saying like, I went out stomping today. Like just trying to encourage like the basics, isn't it? Just, you know, to do the little things each day and it can really help. My interest in mental health, I guess, probably started at university. So I ended up on placement down in Truro for a period of time, which I love the coast and I love being by the sea. I think there's an amazing power of healing. But for me at that time, I became a bit lost in myself. I'd been at medical school for four years and I don't know really what happened. I just stopped exercising. I wasn't going outside. I wasn't sleeping very well. I didn't see my friends that much. I lost interest in my studies. And I just became a bit, I don't know, lost, I guess, in the world. And I kind of sat quietly with it for a long time I was like well what do I do because if I talk about if I go to the university I think well you're supposed to be a doctor how can you possibly have any struggles and really I look back now quite sad that I even felt that way to be honest and you know I felt that I couldn't say anything and I don't think that's a representation of the university standpoint I think that was just kind of a general feeling in the medical world that you know doctors shouldn't ever struggle so I kind of kept quiet 
and eventually thought this was actually getting quite bad so I spoke to my mum and said look this is how I'm feeling there's that kind of big emotional kind of outpouring felt fantastic afterwards and then you know she said well, well actually you're not doing anything that would make you feel good which is pretty spot on I wasn't actually doing anything that was kind of conducive with happiness or health so I said you're right so what we'll do is we'll talk every evening about my thoughts my feelings I'll plan my sleep routine to get up in the morning go to bed at the same time I started exercising, made an exercise program. I made a deal with myself to go for a walk half an hour every day, to walk and enjoy the actual nature that I was living in, to plan things with my friends, and to start doing some of my hobbies again, like I just started playing tennis again. And even though at the start I didn't really want to do it and I didn't have the energy to do it, within weeks I was starting to feel better and then months went by and I was like, wow, I feel so much better from this. And I really learned and I promised myself I wouldn't drop any of those things again because I realised those things were like the investment in myself that allowed me to do everything else. And my university work and medicine just improved so much just from kind of picking up. Got some horses walking past. There you go, they're just trotting along. Amazing. Not a bad space to go riding in, is it? I think they leave it as natural as they can for nature, I guess. You've got their kind of famous, well, I haven't seen them yet, but the parakeets, they're not obviously here originally, but. I think it's, it's amazing in a city like London where you might think of it as a kind of concrete jungle that actually we have these amazing protected spaces like this. You go to a lot of cities around the world who unfortunately have kind of built on every inch of, of land and it, it takes away from the soul of the city. And I think one of the things we're very fortunate about in London is that no matter where you live, you know, there is, generally speaking, there's a park or a, a kind of a green space of nature that's, that's near you. And I think, again, that's as you build or like kind of newer, more modern cities, I hope they realise how important that actually is. As you kind of develop a city, that you need to retain that sense of green space. So I, I actually left medical school, or left, I didn't leave, I graduated actually, I didn't, I didn't just run away. Um, I graduated from medical school in 2015 and came to London to work in King's College Hospital. I spent my first year there doing medicine, surgery, and I spent some time in the, in the King's A&E and just really enjoyed it. So I've stayed in A&E since then, so 2016 to, to present. Um, and then in 2018, I went on Love Island, which is a little bit random because they actually messaged me um, on Instagram to my 200 followers saying, we'd love you to come for an interview or whatever. And I was like, no way, I'm not doing it. Uh, one of my consultants, Anna, is a good friend of mine. She's a massive Love Island fan. She's like, look, you've got to just go for the interview, it'll just experience all that. So anyway, I went along, did the interview, and before you know it, I'm walking in on the show. And I kind of went for it, and I enjoyed it, actually, on the show. Because so I went on there and didn't really, I wasn't trying to achieve anything particular. I had no plan of anything afterwards, particularly. I just enjoyed it. I, you know, it ended up being on there for most of the show, and well, the entire show, pretty much. Um, and I guess then when you come out of that, you don't really expect, or I certainly I naively didn't expect to have everything else that came from it. You know, I had like a million followers on Instagram, um, huge amount of kind of media interest, I guess, and... I was like, well, what do I do with this now? Do I drop it all? You know, what do I do about A&E? Well, I was like, well, I definitely want to go back. So I went back to A&E and I thought, well, why don't I use the platform to talk about well-being, about mental health, about the things I'm interested in? And at least then I'm actually doing something positive with the platform. And it kind of just started small like that, doing bits and pieces, and I guess it's built up from there, really. Uh... See, we've got the lovely lakes here, right through the middle. See, look at this. Little, uh... Ducklings. Little chicks. Little family out for a walk. Hello, little guys. 
Uh, it's a very nice, nice little spot. We'll walk up the hill tree. Right here and Particularly throughout the pandemic, you know, there's been really tough times, ups and downs. My relationship broke down. Sadly, obviously, most importantly, lost a, my brother to suicide in the summer. And, you know, I kind of been quite open about all that. And people might say, well, you know, I guess, you know, where do you draw the line of being open about things? But, I, you know, I'm naturally a very open person. And um, people have been very supportive to me, I think, throughout that time. And now, moving forward, like post-pandemic, I want to try and help further, I guess, with mental health. And the reason I've kind of campaigned towards work that I'm doing now with the government is that I want to see change. I want people to have support when they reach out and I want to kind of battle the stigma that still exists around mental health and you know that's very much my focus I guess you know moving forward. Because you know stigma still exists. My brother never said that he was struggling. He never told me anything, you know, he just was very sudden. And I think that sense of shame I wonder might be the right word to use. Probably prevented him from, from speaking out. So I think you know, moving forward, that's one of the biggest things I want to do is break down that stigma and try and hopefully see that people in the future who want help feel comfortable to reach out and get it and actually when they do reach out, that the help is there for them. You know, the, I think the societal expectations, I think particularly men, are very different. I think the way that we are maybe built, it might be different in that way. Um, it is so much more prevalent in men and I think we have to do more to acknowledge that and, and try and help, you know, break that down because you know, so many young people die every every year needlessly for mental health, really. Um, and I started my campaign at the start of the year, and it was amazing, really. You know, people got behind it so much. It was unbelievable, this movement online. People calling for the Prime Minister to, to meet me and listen. And a bit of a shock when you kind of get that email coming through from number 10 saying, we'd like to speak with you. And there's a lot of back and forth and discussion about some of the things and ideas that I had. And eventually, the Prime Minister felt it was a good idea to kind of have a you know young person who had some understanding in the field but also a platform to kind of be in an ambassadorial role to work with government and charities and the NHS to kind of you know improve what's going on in this area so as a point in the role quite shocked where you're going to number 10 and, and doing that because it's never existed before it's a very odd thing to go wow this is something completely new um, been a bit of a roller coaster it's it's a lot to deal with but again because there's so much to be done you've got to be very focused and I think that's important. And then I think, again, coming back to being around in, in nature, it helps my sense of focus because there's so many different things that I could put my energy into. And one of the challenges that I find is that so many people reach out and very good, and people do it from very, a place that's very good and very honest and want to help. It's people want you to be involved with everything and you can't do that. You, know, you're, you, can, you can only actually have one priority. We talk about priorities all the time. You hear businesses saying priorities. Well, it's not. Which, which one of them is your priority? So like I'm trying to have that concept all the time of like what am I, what is my priority right now? You can have other things which are important, which you're working on, but you can only have one of those. And I think that being out here in nature it helps me think and clear my mind and go, what am I actually trying to achieve? I've seen some people, and I would say this, please be careful, some people get so close to the deer and the stags, you know, and especially in rutting season, they get so close and I'm just like, those things are mahusive. So please be careful, don't get too close. I always keep my distance. It's important you respect nature as well. You are amongst nature, so respect it. So guys, we've reached the end of our little uh, stroll, our stomp. I guess I've taken you on a little uh, route that I would take 
particularly during the pandemic, to kind of deal with the stresses and pressures and, I guess, to feel a sense of calm. And it's meant so much for me. You know, the last year or so, I guess, has been difficult for everyone, but I feel very fortunate that nature's got me through it. And what would I have done, I think, without this incredible space? So, yeah, I, I would uh, recommend to anyone listening, if you don't stomp and don't get out for a walk, then, then do it. It's, it's an incredibly powerful thing. Dr Alex George there on a stomp round Richmond Park. Now, it's incredible how life can turn on the smallest of things. Will and his partner Penny were both actors in London, but had always dreamed of a life in the country. A chance encounter for Will led to a woodworking apprenticeship, and that somehow ended up with them creating the incredible Brookhouse Woods in the forests of Herefordshire. First off, tell us about Brookhouse Woods. Tell us where you are, what the landscape's like. Brookhouse Woods is part of Brookhouse Farm, which is a 350-acre farm. Grows cider apples and hops um, as its kind of primary farming business. But there's also about 70 acres of woodland on the farm. It's in Herefordshire. So much nature everywhere. It It seems quite untouched compared to a lot of other counties, which is really nice. Where did it come from? Was it always the plan? Was there a plan? Uh, yeah, I mean, before we moved here, we were living in London, uh, me and my partner, Penny, who um, runs the business with me. We'd been living there for 16 years before moving here. Uh, we were both working as actors, and I ended up down a kind of internet rabbit hole, um, and I stumbled on a glamping place down in Dorset, which had yurts and bell tents and stuff. Um, and it just really blew me away how lovely it was. Uh, and I just thought that looks like a really nice way to make a living. So we kind of came up with this idea and then over several evenings and several bottles of wine, you know, just came up with this harebrained scheme that we'd find a bit of land somewhere and we would, um, yeah, build some yurts and tree houses. And part of the idea was, was always that we would, that we would have a kind of workshop and that we would try and get local craftspeople to teach courses to our guests. Basket weaving, leather work, candle dipping, you know, just kind of all, all, all sorts of, uh, of kind of natural crafts, which we thought would be in keeping with, uh, with the space. And that was kind of where the idea took us. And then, again, on a, on a really random uh, visit to a, a flower market in East London, I stumbled on uh, this guy carving handmade wooden spoons from green wood and woodwork something I've always been really interested in but seeing that specific type of woodwork kind of what's generally known as green woodwork so just working with sharp hand tools uh, and fresh fresh timber straight from the trees um, that was a real light bulb moment for me it was like everything I dreamed that woodwork could be kind of encapsulated so I went and spoke to the guy um initially to see if he would ever be interested in coming and teaching a course if we ever managed to do this thing. But yeah, while we were chatting, he mentioned something about an apprentice. uh, And I just heard the words, can I be your next apprentice coming out of my mouth? Uh, (laughs) And that was it. And I kind of badgered him into into taking me on, learning all all different aspects of green woodworking, really. Um, And while I was working for him, I'd heard about this guy called Mike Abbott, who was the guy who he did his apprenticeship with. And that was that was the guy who had built the workshop here at Brookhouse Woods. Um, and he's kind of 
yeah, he's a, he's a kind of real legend in the green woodworking world. He he's been he really forged the way for a lot of people that are doing this craft. So, having convinced the first guy to give you an apprenticeship, did you then convince him to let you live there? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, I I went and uh, I got in touch with him, and I I wanted to kind of you know it felt like the source you know of, of of all this knowledge that was starting to spring up. But yeah, I went and did a I started off doing helping out on a on a chair making course with him up in the woods um and people would come and come and just camp in the in the meadow and uh stay for a week and learn how to make a chair and i remember the first time i came here this kind of just this complete it, it was such a complete thing of stepping into this world and and just totally stepping out of everywhere else you know uh i kind of i rode up the track very shakily on my motorbike uh parked up and and went in there and and that was it I just I was just in this little bubble of wood basically it was weird when I left I kind of had a little meltdown when I came down to, <laughs> back to London I was kind of came out on this complete high you know just blissed out floating out of the woods and as soon as I got to the kind of Worcester bypass I saw this big billboard and it was like a slap in the face of um of of yeah this kind of urban life again just came flooding back and then the following year while I was there he'd kind of decided that he was going to retire from the woods and um kind of go and set up a smaller operation at his at his home um and yeah he asked if I wanted to take over the workshop um and then I think in the same week I was just sitting out in the meadow having my breakfast and the um the guy who owned the farm happened to kind of ride past on his quad bike uh, and he asked me how I got into green woodworking and I kind of told him the story of how I'd, it had started when we kind of discovered this glamping uh, place and we decided that we wanted to get a bit of land and build a workshop and build some yurts and build some cabins and things like that and I think after about a three minute conversation he just said well do you want to just move here and do it here uh, amazing <laughs> so that yeah, it was kind of that simple, really. So how exactly do you break this to Penny? <laughs> yeah, I think I sent her a text along the lines of, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I think we've just been invited. To, uh, she was, I mean, she was over the moon. It was a total leap of faith because, yeah, like I said, it was it was all kind of, it, it was such a complete uh, change of direction for, for both of us. Is it pretty nerve-wracking to sort of pack up your whole life and move down the road? <laughs> Yeah. And it was all kind of, it seemed like it was all based on these chance encounters, you know, it, it all seemed very, very by chance. So how, um, like how completely different is it? Like city to the countryside? For me, the biggest change that I really noticed is the kind of, um, oh God, I don't know how to say it without sounding really, uh, really new <laughs> age, but the rhythm of, of nature is much more noticeable. Yeah, moving here made me realise how efficient we've become in cities at kind of stopping nature from having any impact on like productivity and consumption. You know, in winter, you just turn your central heating on and you turn your lights on a little bit earlier, but not much about life really changes. Whereas here, I noticed that whereas in the summer, I could work till 10 at night. In the winter, I had to stop at four in the afternoon and I needed wood to heat my caravan where I was living and it needed to be dry so I needed to cut it down two years ago and split it into logs <laughs> um you know so kind of all of that stuff started started to be really apparent and and need thinking about and like 
yeah, the the impact of kind of of the seasons was suddenly was suddenly real, you know. See, I know you've got um young child. Is it was that part of the reason for wanting to get out of town? Was that a factor in the decision? Yeah. I mean I think I spent a lot of time in, in nature when I when I was a kid. You know, we were pretty pretty poor growing up, so I think my parents' way of entertaining us was just taking us for long walks in the countryside. But yeah, I suppose we thought about it in in, a, in terms of a few steps back. I remember thinking that I feel like once we've been doing this for a little bit of time and once we've put some roots down here, I've, I feel like the idea of having kids will suddenly seem much more open to us. And it did. You know, we're in the most beautiful place you could ever want to bring up a child. And it's, yeah, it's it's really true. It's lovely. It's It's great. Every day, you know, he's a little toddler now. So every, every day once he's had his breakfast, we just walk out into the farm and we just, I don't really have to think of stuff to do. You know, we just walk around. You said you were talking about how everything completely changes with the season. So we're what, midsummerish. What's What's life like right now? What's a day like right now? Now, kind of half of every day is is spent with my with my son. That's kind of the the really beautiful thing about running your own business and living where you work. And then yeah, the other half is kind of I end up doing a lot of the maintenance and um kind of general tinkering with things that go wrong as they often do with off-grid systems. The whole of last week I was running a lathe building and bowl turning course. We had a group of eight people um who came to the woods it kind of changes it's there there aren't really typical days you know so what would you say is the most special thing about that woodland about being there i mean really just the woodland itself it just never gets old you know still if i've got spare time and i i kind of wander up to the workshop when it's quiet and i'll just sit there and and look at the same trees that i looked at the first time i came here and you know stare at them with the same wonder and they still all give me the same kind of sense of peace and uh, and kind of well-being, really. Something that we've managed to achieve here to a certain degree um, is a is a community, a, a small community in a natural environment. Uh, was is the thing that I've wanted since I've been alive. Really, you know, it's one of my early earliest memories. Is kind of having this having a dream of kind of living in the woods with all my friends really uh you know in a really simplistic childlike way um but that plan hasn't ever really gone away but yeah for me for me the kind of the little bit of community that we've managed to kind of create here um you know with with the people who who also live on the farm um that's really really special and for the first kind of four years we we would eat all our meals up cooked on the open fire up in the up in the woods and around the big round table in the workshop um and just be outdoors all the time uh certainly throughout the summer months and that was really amazing you know since having kids we kind of yeah we've retreated a bit more into our own homes because you've got to feed your child and you know but still that that kind of yeah having that sense of community here and knowing that there's other people on the on the farm you know i just walk up the track kind of into the woodland and and there's 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 our friends and you know a, another young kid and um who we kind of go and play with every day and stuff so. you really did go and live in the woods with your friends <laughs> yeah yeah you really did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's the most valuable thing for me thanks for joining us for a life more wild 
I'm sure Dr. Alex and Will have made you want to throw away your phone and run off into the woods. But just quickly before you do, check the episode notes to find out what Dr. Alex is up to or to stay in the treehouses of Brookhouse Woods. Then follow us on social media and in your podcast app and then throw away your phone and run into the woods. We'll see you when you're back online. Until next time, stay wild.